are at Pod and Market. We're going to keep this introduction a little bit short, uh, but we have the partner and operator of Method Climb on for this episode, Rich. And I hope you really enjoy this episode. I'm going to apologize in advance for A, this episode being a little on the later side. You'll hear that in the podcast. There are some dated references, but I still think what we talked about is evergreen. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rich, how you doing? Great. Thanks, man. Uh, so thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm actually pretty excited to talk to you about method climbing. Um, for full disclosure for the audience, I actually live upstairs in Walker House, um, which is where the uh, gym and rock climbing studio is located, as well as a cafe. And, uh, you know, a bit of a bias here. I actually go to the cafe pretty often. So I'm no stranger to the place, but that's true with a lot of other interviewees I've had on the show where I'm the patron of their business or I know them pretty well. But I figured it'd be good for the audience to know that this is not my, I'm not talking to Rich here out of the blue. Um, but I, I want to hear in your own words, Rich, what what is method climbing? What what are you guys trying to do? Uh, yeah, for, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, we're an indoor rock climbing and fitness facility in downtown Newark. Um, 25,000 square feet of, of fitness and rock climbing and cafe, um, as you mentioned. The, the rock climbing is primarily bouldering, and I don't know if most of your uh, listeners would know the difference between the different disciplines in rock climbing. But bouldering is on a shorter walls where you don't wear any safety equipment and um the safety equipment is the the mats so we have very thick flooring uh padded flooring that allows you to fall from height and not get injured uh if you do it properly and we do have a smaller section of the gym that's rope climbing um it's top rope uh on 35 foot walls and that area is also has two different sections for uh, standard top rope, which requires a belayer. So it requires two people, the climber and the belayer, and then another section that's all auto belay that um, doesn't require a partner. So a person can come and climb by themselves and then get lowered down uh, through something that's automatic. Um, so yeah, there's and in the middle of the entire gym, we have a big fitness facility. It's a traditional gym. Uh, with everything that you would need to get a traditional workout in, from free weights to uh, cardio machines to bench presses, squats, uh, heavy bags, speed bag, things like that. It's a, it's a large facility, and it really, it, it's, there's a lot for everybody there. But uh, really, what we're trying to accomplish here is provide um, more than just fitness and um, rock climbing to, to Newark. We're really here for the community. Um, it's been a long time in Newark that, that I've lived here that, uh, that there's been something like this that can bring the community together. And that's what we had envisioned and we hoped for. And we're very lucky to, um, to be experiencing that right now. Uh, we have a lot of members here that stay here five days, seven days a week, and they're here just to be here. They'd rather be here than not be here. And they're not necessarily here to work out or climb or even take part in the events or the cafe. They're just here to be a part of the community. And that's that's really our 
that's really our goal and that, that's really our, the, our strongest asset here in this business. Yeah, it's really hard uh, on a podcast. It's not really a visual medium to to kind mm-hmm. of explain what it's like down there. I first visited um, the downstairs part of, of the gym in about, about a year and a half ago when I first moved here. Uh, you, were, you were kind enough to, to bring me down there and show me around. And I had this kind of image in my head of, oh, it's like a six foot wall, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, 20 feet of it in you know some kind of basement but that's about it and that like that is not it at all right like you have to see this place in person or if you can't like at least look at some of the pictures it is mind-bogglingly big down there Mm -hmm. i'm actually kind of amazed at how large the space is and uh it's not just one wall it's a whole series of walls surrounding the entire four walls of the basement of the building and uh, it's very deep down there, yeah. Yeah, we have about 12,000 square feet of bouldering rock climbing terrain. Um, it's really hard to sort of get an idea of what that really means, but the walls are um, 15 feet high. Uh, there's, we have over 125 individual rock climbs in there, all graded to different difficulty levels from like absolute beginner all the way through to like crazy expert climber um people that would be in the olympics like that that level of difficulty so we do have everything down there and it's really for everyone um it can be challenging for children just because sometimes reach is going to be an issue so our minimum age is seven years old but um, for anybody that, I mean, generally from seven years old and, and above all the way up to, um, I think we have members in the gym that are 70 years old. Uh, you know, there's something there for everybody. Um, it's not every day that you hear about someone wanting to open a rock climbing gym in Newark. And I'm just wondering, like, what's the origin story of the space? Like, how did it come to be? What were like the challenges in kind of bringing this a very novel concept, I would argue, to downtown Newark? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, like I said earlier, I'm, I've been a resident of Newark for a very long time. Uh, I've been here for 25 years. Um, I was not a rock climber. Um, I was brought in as a partner to sort of spearhead the community aspect of it and the business aspect of the, of the business. Um, my other business partners, um, they're all in the climbing industry that have been in the climbing industry for a very, very long time. I think they have collected 50 years of rock climbing experience under their belt. Um, and um, the two main uh, investors of this business, they're, they're a rock climbing family, but they're also my cousins. Hmm. And um, they also have been residents of Newark for a long time. So um, we invested heavily into Newark. Um, not just in terms of like property and, and things like that, but you know, in terms of the community, we've always tried to make something here uh, that can really change how people view Newark. And like for the most part, this downtown area is such a commuter area. We're surrounded by universities, and those universities, for one reason or another, have never really taken a foothold in terms of 
keeping the student body here. Um, for the most part, Rutgers, Newark, and NGIT students will come here and they'll just commute here and leave. So um, as any resident knows that lives in this area, in the downtown New York area, the weekends are just dead. There's nobody here. And then in the summers, there's nobody here. And we wanted to change that. We wanted it to be where this was more of a vibrant city um, that can rival areas like Jersey City and Hoboken and New York. And with, with that kind of commuter uh, sensibility of, the, the people in Newark, it's just really hard for businesses to, to do well. And it's really hard for people to want to stay because they, they just don't feel safe. When there's nobody here, they don't feel safe. And when they go to um, businesses that are open, it's typically only bars. And it's, that's just not something that everybody wants to do. And um, even restaurants in the area, you can't even get a slice of pizza on, on the weekends, which is just crazy to me. So, and I've known this for a very long time. I've lived here for a long time in this specific area. So it's, it's always been a, a point of like, just confusion for me. I've never understood it. And um, so my goal, our goal was to do something about it. And we, it took a long time for us to figure out what that can be. And it was just sort of a natural thing for us to open a rock climbing gym because of my cousins, their, their family is such a high profile rock climbing family. And then they brought on somebody named Obi Carrion as a partner. And he is just a historical figure in the rock climbing, um, in the history of rock climbing. He has a climb named after him in Yosemite National Park. He, it was a, it was a first ascent. So he's done things, you know, in, in rock climbing that no one else has ever done. Um, he has amazing experience in terms of coaching and development and um, and and rock climbing gyms and setting and all these different areas of, of rock climbing. So it was just a natural thing for them to open something like this. Um, Opening in Newark was a big gamble, sure, but you know, the more and more that we looked at it and talked about it, it was it just started to make more and more sense, and we thought the gamble would definitely be worth it. Yeah, it's kind of wild. I I'm there usually on Sundays, and sitting there is an experience to say the least because you see all these people walking through, uh, mostly to go to the the rock to do the rock climbing, but partially to do. Uh, other things there because you have a full cafe with food and, and other amenities, which we'll get to uh, obviously later in the podcast. But I, I see people that I never see on a Sunday in New York. So this is getting to your point about it not only being dead on the weekends, but you see um, faces. I, living in this town, you get to know people quite well. And even if you don't know people personally, you kind of recognize people in general. And you you know if they're like in the area, if they're from here. With your gym, it's 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 kind of funny because you just see a lot of people who, obviously, some people who do definitely live here, but a lot of people who've come in from pretty far, um, young people. I mean, seeing twelve-year-olds uh, who are clearly from the suburbs come in is on a Sunday. It's, it's just a very very interesting experience, and I'm wondering, like, how do you 
make that kind of reach? Like, I understand you're very devoted to the community, but you also seem to be tapping into um, a larger ambit uh, in Jersey. And I'm wondering, like, how, how do you how are you able to do that? How are you able to tap into other areas and get people to come down here? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's really important for us to put out a really, really good product. I mean, I could say that, um, you know, my my forte here is to bring in the community to beef up the business and to get the word out. But really, if the product itself is not very good, um, that that process is just a lot of smoke. So um, we pride ourselves in our setting. We pride ourselves in like the frequency of our setting and our like our ability to really be nimble and change. So we listen to our members. We listen to um, every suggestion. I know that so many businesses have a suggestion box and they listen to what members have to say. And a lot of times they think of them as complaints, but we, we send out constant surveys. We give away prizes for, to people that fill out the surveys. Hmm. Um, like we'll pay a full month of their membership. We'll do a random drawing with the, the survey um, respondents. And as a result, we end up getting 500 people responding to the survey, you know, and most businesses they'll get 10. So we, we, we try really hard to get feedback from our members and our guests so that we could constantly update the gym and constantly make changes for the better. And uh, just case in point, like we had uh, another fitness room, a smaller fitness room in the gym that was just seldom used. And it was, it had all of our boxing equipment in there. We were gonna use that space for, you know, things like a boxing class and but for one reason or another, it just never got used because our main fitness area was so big. So everyone would just go in there. Um, but members early on, they started asking us, you know, we wish there was a steeper climbing walls in here. Hmm. So what we did was we said, listen, that room is not used very much. Let's just tear the whole thing out. And this is after we've already been built out and we've been operational for, you know, six months or something like that. And after that period, we just said, let's rip the whole thing out. And then we just built a 45 degree and a 60 degree wall inside that room to replace it. And ever since then, that, that wall, is, that room has been used much more frequently. It's that type of climbing is really for a lot stronger people, a lot of stronger climbers, but we do put, you know, entry level climbs in there so that people who are beginners or, you know, just starting out, they could, they really get the sense of what steep climbing is about. And it, it's, a, it's a whole different kind of technique. It's a whole different level of body tension and core workout. So, you know, people love to, to try it out. And that was all because we put that in just because our members, you know, a handful of members requested it. And, you know, we're, we, we're doing things like that constantly because we think it's important when, when people make a suggestion and then we hear it and we're like, you know what, that, that makes some sense. You know, um, we're, we're just going to start implementing those changes. And as a result, the members who make these suggestions, the people that, that voice their opinion about things, they feel important and they feel like they're part of the process because they are and they should be. You know, like when you have a place like this and you 
tell people that it's about the community, that it's about them, that we are here, but you don't do anything about that, you don't do anything to support that, then people will know that you're just BSing. You know, so we put our money where our mouth is. When a member, when people tell us things, when they say something should be this way or something should be that way, we we listen and we talk about it. You know, not everything is gonna happen. Some things aren't, you know, some things just don't make sense and some things don't make sense fiscally for us. But, you know, the things that do, we're gonna change it. We're gonna do our best to change it. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I'm glad you talked about that as well because um, this is a good segue into the other stuff that you're doing in there because it's not just about the rock climbing, right? Uh, you have chess tournaments in there. You're doing other things. I wonder if you could go into that, like the ideation around why you're doing these other events, aside from just like, you know, trying to drive traffic into the business. Well, you know, when I came on board, um, you know, I, like I said, I was not a rock climber. I started climbing when I, I started here about two years ago. Um, I love it now, but uh, I, I didn't know anything about it before. So when I came aboard, um, you know, my idea was to, I saw the space and I was like, listen, this, this space lends really well to do a lot of things here. Like we can do stuff to, to bring in community because people that climb, they can't climb every day. You know, your, your hands, the skin on your hands will not hold up to climbing every day. The, the holds are very rough. So you, you have to have days where you're going to rest. Um, like certain activities and certain sports, you can do it every day as long as you, you're, you're being careful and you're, you're listening to your body. But a sport like rock climbing, you just cannot do every day. It's just not going to work. Um, you can do it for a little while like that, but for the long haul, um, you, something is going to, you're going to damage something. So, you're gonna, you need plenty of rest um, as a climber. And because of that, you know, I, I still wanted to draw those people in um, on rest days. And not everybody's gonna wanna climb and then come into the gym and work out, you know? So the, the thing that I thought would work well is just have different activities here so that people could be here all the time. The more people are here, the busier, it is here, the more people will want to be here, right? A place that's empty, no one wants to go to a place that's empty. So, um, I mean, there's a place for that, sure, if, like if you want some peace and quiet, um, but we have plenty of space. So it's, it's you could find an area that's quiet as well. Um, but for the most part, people want to be in places where other people are at, you know, and where those people are friendly. So as long as we have a bunch of events um, a bunch of different activities. Um, you know, I, I, it just draws a lot of people in. And climbers are very eclectic, you know? Like, I've, I've come to learn that. Climbers like a lot of different things. So we try to do a lot of different events and see what just what works. So we have karaoke nights uh, once a month. We, we have that with our member appreciation night, um, as well as our method mixer. Uh, and that's just the method mixer is just to like meet new people. So you wear name tag and uh, it's just the whole idea behind it is to like just have a conversation with somebody that you don't know. And um, like 
we have our different group meetups, whether it's a Spectrum Climbers, whether it's BIPOC. So Spectrum is our um, uh, LGBTQ plus meetup. Uh, BIPOC is our, our Black and Indigenous People of Color meetup. We have a ladies crew meetup. We have um, uh, uh, Brown Girls Folder. We have Black Girls Folder. All of these different meetups, and we have Asian Ascenders. So all these different meetups are, are intended to allow people to come in in groups where they feel comfortable. Because a lot of times when you get started in a place like this, it can be very intimidating. You don't understand the sport very well. You don't know the people. Um, a lot of times you're going to walk into a gym like this and you'll see like a bunch of really, really good rock climbers. And you're just going to feel very intimidated to get up on the wall next to this person. And, um, and I, I realized that. So it's like when we designed these group meetups, it made it just a lot easier for people to be together at similar levels where there's other people there supporting you. And um, it, it just makes climbing a lot more accessible and a lot less daunting. And so those meetups are designed for that. All the things that we do in the cafe, like the karaoke nights and the chess uh, tournaments. We have a chess meetup every Sunday, and then we have a chess tournament, a cash prize tournament once a month. Um, a lot of these different events are ideas from our members. Um, members will come in and say, hey, listen, you know, I, I teach chess. Can I do a chess meetup? We say, sure. You know, if you, if you do this on a scheduled basis, We'll give you your membership for free and you can run the event for us. And it works out great. The, the person running the event, it's their entire job to promote it, run it, manage it, make sure it works out well. They get something in return and the, the events usually work out great. Not all of them do, but a lot of them are, are amazing and they keep growing. And the members that run these events, they're doing something that they love doing. They wanted to do it, you know. So generally, the, the events work out great, and we're, we're really proud of them. Um, we're really happy with with uh, how well they're attended and the feedback that we get about them. Um, yeah, and I, like, I hope not to call you out here, but I also know that you guys are super tight as a staff, at least. Uh, and the reason why I know this is because I'm often at your neighbor, uh, Newark Local Beer. Steve has been on this podcast, and... Uh, you generally all come in at like 9.30, 10 is one giant group. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm wondering, oh, there's sort of two questions here. The first being like, what are your interactions with other businesses in the area? You could obviously talk about Steve, but you could talk about other um, other downtown businesses that you might have a robust connection with. But also, you know, how do you create that camaraderie on your staff? Because you guys are a pretty tight unit. Um, yeah, that's a great question too. I, you know, I've owned a few businesses uh, or been a partner in a, in a bunch of businesses and I've always run them sort of the same way. Um, for me, if I want the staff to make the community, the members, the guests, um, you know, the patrons of your business feel really, really comfortable and like a part of the community, then it has to start with the staff. So um, I try to really make the staff feel like they're part of a family, like they're part of something great. And, 
it's, it's really about mutual respect. It's always about letting the staff be empowered to do the things that they need to do to get the job done. And, you know, I really, really try to get the staff to feel like they want to be here more than they don't want to be here, just like sort of the same way we had it with the guests. So a lot of times, you know, staff members who are not even on the clock, um, they're here. They're here hanging out. They're here climbing. They're here a lot of times just to hang out with other people, uh, other members who they've all met here or other staffers who are, you know, working. And we don't, we don't dissuade staff members from doing stuff like that. Um, we, we really want them to do it. We want them to feel comfortable. We want them to feel like Method is a second home. Um, and, you know, same thing like with the members, we listen to our staffers. You know, whenever something is happening, we, we really listen to what they have to say. Um, we do have a management team here, but the decision-making process isn't from the management team down and, you know, to the staff. It generally is the other way. So we ask the staff what they think we need to do, and then it, it works its way up. And uh, the final decision is going to come from the management team, but for the most part, a lot of the decisions are already made from the staff. And uh, I think that that's just important to do it that way. Uh, make sure that people feel important because they are important. You know, these are the people that are the face of our business. These are the people that are the hardest working members of our gym, you know, and what they have to say and what they do is super important. So we try to treat them that way. We try to make sure that they understand that we see them this way. Um, to zoom out a little bit, um, and I hope you mm -hmm. don't mind this gear shift, but uh, it's something that's kind of, I'm interested to get your take on, because you talked about earlier on in the in this uh, podcast about you're, you're new to this field. It's not something you've been doing as long as, let's say, your, your, um, your relatives have been doing, right? Because they're pretty well-established in this, in this field of rock climbing. Right. But... You know, I remember rock climbing existing since I was a kid. Like, uh, Liberty Science Center had a little thing you could do when I was young uh, that you could w run across a wall. And um, I think, you know, when Free Solo came out, there was a lot of pop culture zeitgeist around rock climbing in a way that there hadn't been before. But I'm wondering what your take is on the explosion of rock climbing because you're not the – you're the first in Newark for sure, but you're not – the first in Jersey, like there's other places that have opened up as well. And I'm seeing, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it an explosion, but you're definitely seeing a lot more rock climbing uh, venues than you've seen in the past. So I'm wondering like, what do you think is driving a lot of the expansion of this industry? That's a very interesting question. It's uh, and pretty hard to answer. It's, um, you know, rock climbing is, it's a really, really different kind of, sport or activity you know it's uh for a very long time it was not considered a sport it was more considered like an x games type of activity you know um parkour and things like that were all kind of thrown into the same big lump or big basket and um when people started like i guess trying it it's uh they realized it's not like that at all it's not 
an extreme sport. It's not an extreme activity. It's in a very controlled environment. It's, for the most part, very, very safe. Um, and it's, it's really accessible for a lot of different people. Um, like people of all walks of life, different shapes and sizes and different levels of fitness. Um, and it's very, very cerebral. It's a lot of the, the bouldering that we do is we call the bouldering, um, climbs, uh, problems because a lot of times they're just problems that you have to solve kind of like figuring out a puzzle. It, it has so little to do with your actual strength sometimes and so much more to do with, with your ability to solve the problem. And because of that, it's, it has become very much a, like a thinking man's or a thinking person's, uh, sport. So a, a lot of the members that we have here are, you know, very, very well educated, um, with engineers and doctors and everything that, that are, you know, really interested in this sport because it's, it really lends well to that kind of like, uh, problem solving intellect and, um, it's the explosion I think is not just from those movies. Um, it is for, you know, uh, a lot, but it's also, you know, it's, it's now an Olympic sport, uh, for the first year in Japan, it, it, it was introduced into the Olympics. There have been some prominent climbers that much more recently have become sort of thrust into the, uh, into the mainstream. So, um, people like Alex Honnold and Chris Sharma and things like that. So, um, you know, in back in the day, you know, Obi Carrot, he would have been right there with them, but you know, his, his career took a different path, you know, so he sort of, uh, took a backseat, um, and let climbing, you know, took a break from climbing. So that, that popularity, and he's also very humble and quiet. So. He didn't want to be uh, in the mainstream media at, like some of these other people, but um, yeah, things like the media, things like movies, these are all things that collectively sort of caused the explosion in rock climbing. And because it is so accessible, I think people, you know, people take a look at it and think, you know, like maybe I can do that and they want to try it. So if there's a place open near them, they're going to go give it a shot. And so many times if that first experience is a positive one you're going to come back and because it's such a good physical mental uh whole body holistic workout it's like for so many people it's such a great way to get your mind and body fit without having to go through the whole traditional gym cycle you know like for someone like me um who has had multiple gym memberships and never followed through with it, right? It's like perfect for me because I just cannot run on a treadmill. I just can't sit there and do bench presses all day, squatting. And these are the types of things that I just, it, it just doesn't interest me. It doesn't keep me, you know? So once I started rock climbing, I, I immediately realized that, you know, if I had done this, at a much younger age, I mean, forget about the fact that I'd be so much better at it, but I would be, I would be fit and I would stay fit because 
I just love it, you know. Yeah, it's it's funny you talk about it, you know, it appearing in Tokyo at the Olympics and um, rock climbing being this competitive thing. And I'm wondering if you could explain, like, what makes it a competitive sport? Because you look at it and you're like, it seems like it's just like a, you know, hiking is not a, a sport, right? And so is it a thing of style? Is it a thing of speed? Like, what, how do you compete in, in rock climbing? Like, what makes it a competitive sport? So there's a few different disciplines. Um, there's sport climbing or rope climbing, and then there is bouldering, and then there is speed. The speed wall is a um, is a 20 meter or 60 foot uh, wall that is the same exact pattern everywhere around the world. The holes are exactly the same, and they're in the same exact um, orientation for every single speed climb that you'll see. And that one is a race against time. So that one is usually the most exciting to watch. You'll see people do things on that wall that doesn't even look real when they go up there. They can do this thing 60 feet in, you know, six seconds or something like that. It's like outrageous to watch. It looks completely fake, but they're actually climbing it. It's not, there's nothing assisting them doing it. They just practice really hard and they do it. Um, Bouldering is a little bit different. There's different formats of bouldering, but the, the most I guess popular one is like on-siting in a tournament format where you are going to climb multiple different boulders and each one is scored based on um, whether or not you get to the top. And the top is you got to get to the last hold with both hands with control. Um, a lot of times it's going to be an area where there's uh, something called a zone. If you can get to that, you get a certain amount of points for that as well. Um, but out of all the climbs that are in there, um, usually it's four climbs, the person that does the best on all four collectively is going to, uh, get the podium. So it is scored. It's, uh, these climbs in the finals are very challenging. These things are designed to, um, really be just for the elite, elite climbers to be able to get to the top of. So it, you know, it eliminates a lot of people um, from podium contention because the, the climbs are just so, so difficult. Um, and then the rope climbing is, uh, it depends on which one you get to. A lot of these walls are gonna be, you know, somewhere between 45 to 65 feet high. Um, it's a very long route. So there's a lot of different moves that you have to make and people are, are uh, clipping into different clips. So it depends on how far you get on that route. And, uh, and you're going to be, you know, once, once you fall off of it, you're eliminated from it. So you have the one trial and you go and you go see how far you can get. And that's the person that gets the furthest is going to win. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, it's so much more complex than you, you would think, right? Like, from the outside, you're like, oh, it's just put hand on stone and move across. But what you're talking about is a, is a very dynamic and complex sport. So my mm-hmm. question is now, if let's say I'm a new worker coming, you know, with no background in this in climbing, knowing no one who does this, you know, what's your advice? You know, what would like what, what is your process, uh, you know? What would you tell someone who's interested? Like, 
in, in, in getting started in this, um, just as an amateur in this field? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I'd say come to method. <laughs> so we have, we have um, uh, intro packages here. We have introductory classes where people, uh, staff members or uh, the coaching staff will um, give you personalized instruction on how to get started with like some basic technique, um, focusing on safety, how to fall, um, and then the rope area, like how to clip in, um, how to safely come down from the wall, uh, things like that. So we do have programs in place for the true, true beginners. And then we do have programs with classes that we teach for people who are sort of past that true beginner stage, but they're in that beginning intermediate phase, but they just want to get stronger. They just want to become better at climbing. They've already gotten to that point where they're like, oh, I love this sport, but I'm just not very good at it. I'm just not sure of the technique because there's a lot of technique involved. It's not just, okay, go up on the on that wall and just climb up it, you know? A lot of people are gonna think, okay, I'm just gonna like pull really hard with my arms. And that's generally not a good way to climb. So. Um, it works in some instances, but that's just not a great way to climb. There's a lot of technique involved with body positioning and figuring out body tension, pulling on something, pushing against something else at the same time. And all these things will really maximize your, your ability to, to move up a wall or traverse a wall from side to side. So um, technique is usually so much more important than physique so these are the things that we teach in our um in our introductory classes as well as certain footwork classes and we have something called the adult training program which is designed for adults to train and you know really get their climbing level uh going up you know so we have a lot of programs for kids um we have an amazing team here but these classes are designed for um the adult members uh that thank you for that i think it will help a lot of listeners who might be a little cautious uh, about starting rock climbing i think uh, there's obviously trepidation because you feel like you're going to fall on your first try and i know i would <laughs> if i were trying um but i think what's really great is your de- demeanor and the whole the whole system there and I've seen this because I, 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 I've been downstairs and I, I've met a lot of people who go to your place that you, you really do approach it with this kind of um, this this broad uh, spectrum of of capabilities. Um, you, you definitely see people walking in there. You guys have a store in there. You sell, you know, obviously uh, equipment and you have people who are pretty well versed in the field coming and, and going into to do this space, but you also make it really accessible. And, and I'll never forget first meeting you a year and a half ago, two years now. Uh, and that like, you were very much like not a tech, a technocrat, not really technocrat, but you know what I mean? Like someone obsessed with the sport in the way that, you know, uh, for, particularly for not, a, and I hate to call it not mainstream because it, it isn't right. Like it's not a, it's not basketball where pretty much the entire country knows the rules and basic knows the basics of basketball. This is a sport that a lot of people probably come to pretty fresh, right? And so I really did appreciate sh- you showing me around and, and, and kind of having that emphasis of being 
uh, not taking anything for granted and, and, and knowing that people would probably don't even know that there's a certain style of grip that you have to do and you have to takes time to build up that strength and those calluses. Um, anyway, so I do want to open up to you just before we close out the podcast, if there's any other things you wanted to add about the space, about your business, about rock climbing in general, um, uh, before I close out. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the, the one, one thing that we didn't really touch on and I'm, I'm really proud of is, uh, we, we touched on a little bit, but, um, we do have, um, an amazingly strong competitive team here, mm. um, we talk about rock climbing as a competitive sport, but um, we started our team um, a pretty short while ago. Um, it's it's only been in existence now for like uh, less than a year, and um, we we just went through regionals for both bouldering and for ropes, and we won both regional banners, which means we were the winningest team in the region, and um, that comprises all of New Jersey, all of Pennsylvania, um, uh, a, a great portion of uh, New York State, uh, including Manhattan. So we have an incredibly strong youth team here, um, which we're really, really proud of. And I think when we were, when we first started the team, um, our first nationals that we, uh, our first Boulder nationals, we had something like 24 kids on our team at the time and 17 of them made it to nationals. So we're really proud of that. Um, and a lot of them podiumed uh, as well. So we're really proud of that. We have a lot of different youth programs designed to identify um, sort of the up and coming kids um, that we can transition to the uh, competitive team. Um, we have a program just for really, really young beginning kids called the Power Pullers. Um, and that's really more designed to be a fun activity, boost um, young people's um, like, sense of themselves, their confidence, and, and be able to meet new people and be involved in an activity that um, they might love, as opposed to like sticking them in soccer or baseball or football or something like that and them just not you know not being able to uh feel comfortable in a sport like that um so this is just something different that uh that people can try and we we're really proud of that um but um yeah that's that's really that's a lot of what i wanted to touch on i think um you really really covered everything with your question so i appreciate that yeah, first I want to congratulate you on those accolades. Um, I, I think I got a sense of it because I know a couple of your staff members personally, and you know through that osmosis, I had heard you guys were achieving that, and it's it's really great to hear because maybe we'll become the rock climbing capital of the region, right? It would be kind of wild <laughs> to see that you know Newark is like if you're in Jersey or if you're in you know the Mid Atlantic region, you know that's where you go, right? Is is Jersey mm-hmm. is Newark to to experience some high quality competitive but also accessible rock climbing well, well i'll tell you what i mean when i was uh I, I recently traveled to um washington state and when i was in um and oregon when i was in portland i uh i visited a rock climbing gym there and while i was there i just struck up conversation with one of the the staff members there and you know um, started talking about method a little bit and they were like oh 
I totally know I've heard about that gym and I've been dying to go there. So, you know, what you're saying is uh, maybe it is starting to happen. I was really happy to hear that. You know? That's really great to hear. Um, so the last question I always end this podcast with is, uh, what are you excited for in Newark? Um, that's, uh, I've, I've been excited for a lot of things in Newark for a really long time. Um, it's, uh, I've, I've always loved the community here. It's it, living in the historic district, the, the neighbors in my area or in my neighborhood are so different from the neighbors I had growing up, like in the suburbs. I grew up in Wayne, New Jersey, um, the first 20 plus years of my life. And, um, you know, it's like an area where I just, I don't really know anybody and we don't really talk very much. Um, but here, everybody's always talking to each other and supporting each other. And, and um, so many of my neighbors and I are, are like now close personal friends. And um, I really love that about this area. And um, I think that type of that type of community where people support each other, look out for each other, um, things like that. I think, I think that is something that can really spread in Newark. It shouldn't be isolated to a one pocket, one little community. Um, and I've seen it happen. I've seen it. I've seen similar types of communities pop up all throughout Newark. And it's, you know, we have such diversity here and so much understanding. So um, you'd be surprised at how diverse it is in some of these areas. And it's, it's, it's just amazing to see. Um, I would like to see that more. Um, I'd like to see that from a business perspective because a lot of times businesses will come into Newark and they just, they don't, they're, they're fearful for some reason. And they, they don't think that a business that they, that I don't know, typically should be in a suburban white neighborhood um they don't think it'll thrive here so they avoid it and i think that's a mistake i think um people need to change their mindset about newark and if if people gave newark a fair chance i think they would start to realize what an absolute gem the city is and uh, i think people will start to feel a lot safer and stop talking about newark in times of this like dirty unsafe uh, crime-ridden city, which it really is not. So that's that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the whole, you know, perception of Newark change, not just from an outside person's perspective, but from inside. A lot of people that are residents of Newark think of Newark in a negative way, and they can't wait to get out. And I just I just don't understand it, you know. But there should be some pride here, and uh, the perception of this this city should be you know of what it actually is and it's a it's a beautiful old historic city with amazing diversity different cultures and a lot of you know acceptance and uh and it could be prosperous so i'm really really hoping to hoping that that will happen uh that's kind of funny because uh this kind of connects to my um my answer to the question so uh, 
those of you who know me personally, who listen to the podcast, and I, th- I think Rich actually knows this too, I, I'm deeply connected to uh, a comedy show that occurs here in Newark called Brick City Comedy Review. And um, we uh, got a grant from North to Shore, and uh, that's the uh, Phil Murphy's attempt to recreate South by Southwest. That could be a whole podcast in its own right. Um, but uh, we actually have Chris Geddard coming, who is an amazing comedian. This is not his first time on our show, but uh, he's nationally recognized. Um, he is an amazing Jersey comic. We have other amazing headliners as well coming for that show. It's going to be on June 23rd, which is a little bit, probably a month after this podcast is going to come out. But I just want to give advance notice on that. But the reason why it connects to what you were saying is um, is that uh, with a comedy, running a comedy show, um, as Justin, my friend, does, he gets a lot of uh, amazement when he talks about how many people he gets in the room. It's one of the best uh, run, you know, performance, um, locally curated performance events uh, in town. And it largely has to do with a lot of assumptions that people have about what's uh, viable in this city. And the fact that a comedy club hasn't opened yet uh, is kind of a sign of the assumptions that are made about the town despite the latent market for that. And I think, Rich, that's method, basically, right? Like, no no offense. Like, when, when people told me there's a rock climbing gym opening up, I laughed. I also laughed at a brewery, too. Uh, so I'm 0 for 2 on this. Because <laughs> um, I literally said to myself, and I think I said this on, to Steve on his podcast, like, I was highly suspicious of what he was trying to do. And similarly, I was highly suspicious of what you were trying to do. And I've been proven wrong on both counts. So... I want to thank you for that, and I'm glad you came on because it's uh, it's a really great thing you're doing down there. Thank you very much, and I appreciate you saying that uh, that uh, you were proven wrong on that. So that's you know a, a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't uh, admit to that, but <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate you uh, taking the time and having me on your show. Um, you know, uh, I, I have been to the common show, and I, I I was very very impressed with it so i'm a um, big supporter and um so big shout out to you guys doing that and i wish you the best um and uh yeah i, I appreciate everything that you, you're doing as well for the city so great job thank you <laughs>